All right, if you'd open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter number 2, 2 Kings chapter number 2, we'll continue our lessons on Elijah. This morning we'll look at the whirlwind, really, and uh, the, the fact that Elijah was carried away. What an exciting passage of Scripture, and, uh, and I'm going to... Uh, Looking over everything here, we, I, I know that this, was, this uh, had a lot of information on the first point here, and, uh, and so we'll look at that. But uh, for 2 Kings chapter number 2, and you'll remember last week, uh, as Elijah was on the mount, and, and Ahab sent, well not Ahab, but his son uh, Ahaziah sent the troops out to get him. And, uh, and Elijah, of course, called down fire from heaven and devoured those, those fire, destroyed those troops and consumed them. And, uh, and then it happened twice. And then the third guy, uh, he wised up. And so I, I think they, they, that might be where the saying comes from, the third time's a charm. Okay, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but we do see that that is the case there in that passage. And that was an exciting passage. And this morning, uh, 2 Kings chapter number 2, the Bible says there in verse number 1, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Let's stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. 
We thank you for uh, just your word, Father, that we can study, that we can learn from. God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen and help each and every uh, believer. And Father, if there's one that does not know you, God, I pray that they would, uh, they would uh, see the need to have you as their personal Savior this morning. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, I'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, there is a lot of details here, and there's a lot of things to, 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 to go over. And just, by the way, this is kind of a side note, I, I enjoy reading those passages, and, and it just amazes me. Uh, and it's amazing how when you just take the Word of God, people are like, well, it's so hard to understand. Boy, it really wasn't really hard to understand. Uh, that passage is very picturesque. It's full of, of life and vitality, and it just is interesting uh, the way it, it lays out, and it's very well written. And so thank the Lord for the Word of God. It's not near as hard as people make it out to be. Uh, but as we look at this passage, I want you to notice the pathway of Elijah. That's the first thing that we'll notice, and we'll spend some uh, quite a bit of time on that pathway. I thought, boy, I almost could just make a lesson just out of the pathway that he traveled. And there's a lot of interesting facts there that are mentioned. You'll notice there in verse number one that he started out in Gilgal. At the end of the, the, that verse, it says, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So he started out in Gilgal. And I took my map and I looked these places up. I thought that would be interesting to know where they're at. Well, Gilgal is, uh, turns out actually there's several of them that are mentioned in the Bible. And the most prominent one is probably not the one that Elijah was at. Uh, doesn't that help you out? So you'll look up Gilgal and you'll say, well, there's the prominent one. That's not where he was at. Uh, and, and it is difficult to know exactly, uh, but they say, the reason they say is because he went down. Uh, and, and in the Bible, when it says go down, oftentimes it does refer to south or a, a location that is located higher in elevation uh, to, to where they're going. So they would go down in elevation. And so it could be one of the two, but either way, Gilgal uh, is not that place. Uh, and so it was another Gilgal that was mentioned in the Bible, and it's not easy to locate exactly where that is. Uh, so he started in Gilgal, but he went to uh, Bethel. Now Bethel means, and then we see that in verse number two, uh, but Bethel means the house of God. And uh, you'll remember that it was uh, established um, a long time ago, and, uh, and Israel uh, really, it was a blessed place for, for, for Israel to always be recommended or known as a place where God is. And uh, it was always a spiritual place. However, when the nations had divided, and you had the northern uh, kingdom and, and the, uh, the southern kingdom, really, uh, they were divided there. And what happened was uh, the king set up idolatry, Jeroboam. Uh, set up idolatry there in Bethel and Dan. That would be the southernmost and the northernmost regions of his capital, uh, of, his, of his reign, rather. And why did he do that? He did that because he did not want his people going down to Jerusalem to worship. And so he started a brand new religion in Israel. This was not of God. 
by the way. Uh, you can read all about it in 1 Kings chapter number 12, verses 28 through 33. Uh, they tell us that he set up a, a new religion. They tell us that he made an idol. They t it tells us that he chose from the base of the people and elevated them to be priests in Israel. Now, all of that was completely ungodly. Matter of fact, the Bible says afterwards about Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. How would you like that reputation? Uh, but that's the reputation Jeroboam had. That all took place in Bethel. That was a godly place that was known for uh, God's working and moving had been transferred and changed into a place of idolatry. Uh, boy, what a sad state. And it was a place really that uh, the, the prophets were not honored. And, uh, and it had turned into a, a bad place. And it's an embarrassment in the history of Israel. And uh, it had become a very apostate place. Now, I was thinking about that and I thought, boy, much like England has become an apostate place. You know, England used to be the uh, foremost missionary sending country in the world. And what happened? Apostasy moved in, and uh, idolatry moved in, and false religions, and all of these other things that really squelched the flame uh, in the country of England. And today, England is in need of missionaries. England is in need of gospel-preaching churches, and we're sending missionaries over there. And the point is this, that in America, we, are a, we, we were, I should say it that way, a godly nation in the past. But if we allow things to continue to apostatize, if we allow idolatry to slip in, if we allow all of these things to come in, listen, it won't be long before they'll be sending missionaries to us. Matter of fact, they already are. Um, and that might surprise you, but I've run into uh, some people, one from Australia specifically, and he is a missionary to America, and it bothers me. Uh, not that he's here. I'm glad that he's here. I'm glad he's preaching the gospel. It bothers me that other countries would think that we need missionaries, but apparently we do. Uh, we need to start churches. We need to be uh, have some vigor uh, in our spiritual condition and, and be reaching others with the gospel lest our light be put out in America. And, uh, and so we see that Bethel had changed uh, into a place that was, uh, that was destitute of spirituality. Not, not only England, but as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, the majority of our, uh, of our esteemed universities today were started as Christian colleges. And today they are apostate. Today they are anti-God. Today they teach evolution. They teach there is no God. Uh, they just go all against the Bible. Uh, and so I'm just saying it is, it is something that has happened over the course of time. And, and it's not new. It's happened since Bible times. In Bethel, this took place. And so Elijah is there and he's traveling through Bethel. And he goes from Bethel down to Jericho in verse number 4. And you'll find that he goes down to Jericho. And Jericho was represented a miraculous victory by God. Uh, when Israel took it over, you'll of course remember the story. The Israelites were uh, commanded to march around the city and that God made the walls to collapse uh, of Jericho, those great walls. What a great uh, city it was, a fortified city. 
But I want you to notice, just save your spot here in First King or Second Kings and go back with me to Joshua chapter number six. I'd like for you to see this. Joshua chapter number six. I found this very interesting. And it's very relevant to our time frame that we're studying here in, uh, in Elijah's lifetime. For Joshua chapter number six is when they had uh, conquered Jericho. Joshua chapter number six. And look with me in verse number 26. The Bible says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest shall he set up the gates of it. And, uh, and so there was a curse put on Jericho for it to be rebuilt. Later it was given to the, uh, to the tribe of, of Benjamin. And, uh, and if you go all the way back up, matter of fact, go back to 1 Kings chapter number 16. 1 Kings chapter number 16 and verse 34. This is during the reign of Ahab, who was a, obviously a wicked king and against uh, Elijah. And uh, 1 Kings chapter number 16 and verse 34 we find that it was rebuilt, uh, and it was rebuilt under the leadership of Ahab. The Bible says Ahab as king. Uh, the Bible says there in verse number 34, 1 Kings 16, 34, In his days did Heel, Hiel, the Bethelite, build Jericho. Re listen to these words. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof, and his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. And, uh, and so he built, uh, he rebuilt Jericho. And uh, we don't know much about uh, Bethelite, uh, this fellow, Hiel, the Bethelite, uh, that rebuilt it. Uh, but we do know from Joshua that, hey, he was a curse for rebuilding it. And it's interesting to me that it took place during the time of Ahab, when a wicked king was in place. It didn't take time. It didn't take place during all the days that David ruled. It didn't take place during all the time of Solomon's rule. Uh, it took place under Ahab, a wicked king. And, uh, and those are just some interesting things about Jericho. But we find that, uh, uh, that, that Elijah had passed through Jericho. He passed through Bethlehem, or Bethel, rather. Uh, again, two places that were greatly used of God, uh, but, but things had changed, and, uh, and they were not good places during this time. I just found that interesting. And then verse number 6, we find that, uh, that he went through Jordan. And Jordan, uh, of course, was the great river that really divided uh, the nation of Israel, and it was a symbol of entering into the promised land. And, uh, and so we see all this area that, uh, that, that Elijah was passing through. Now I want you to notice this. We've noted this several times throughout the life of Elijah, and it just keeps holding true. What I love about this is that it, it's from the very beginning, 1 Kings chapter 17, when Elijah started off. Uh, we find it was according to the word of the Lord. And then we find here in verse 2, the Bible says, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath 
sent me. Look down in verse number 4. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me. Look in verse number 6. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me. Not only do we see the area that, that Elijah was walking through, but I want you to notice the authority. And it's been true in Elijah's life all through his ministry that when the Lord sends Elijah to do something, Elijah submits and Elijah obeys and Elijah does what God would have him to do. And oh, the faithfulness of Elijah. I'm encouraged by that. In 2 Kings, uh, or 1 Kings 17, 2, uh, the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto him, and, and he sent him to the brook Cherith. We find in 1 Kings 17, 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him, get thee to Zarephath. And Elijah went off to Zarephath. We find in 1 Kings 18, 36, the angel Lord said to Elijah, arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria. And he went, and Elijah is faithful in listening to God and obeying God. What a great example in our life. And we see that his authority is very clearly God in his life. And, and he is uh, very clearly desires to be in the center of God's will. I've always heard that the greatest place to be is in the center of God's will. And, uh, and you don't get there by accident. Uh, it just doesn't, well, wow, look at here, I just happen to be where God wants me to be. No, it, it comes from a conscientious uh, following and obedience to God. And Elijah, very clearly throughout his life and throughout his ministry, uh, was listening to and following God. Was Elijah perfect? No, he was not. Matter of fact, we've seen a few times where he went off the rails a little and he went off on his own, and, and we don't see that God sent him uh, to that mountain where, uh, where God showed him uh, the fire, the whirlwind, the earthquake, and then the still small voice. Uh, we don't see that God was the one sending him to those places. And so Elijah was not perfect in all of that. But we find that Elijah, by and large, was searching for God's will, and he was listening to God's will, and he was obeying and doing God's will in his life. And so what a great example uh, is the life of Elijah in his authority. I want you to notice uh, his associate there, uh, Elisha. Uh, and I find it very interesting, of course, in the same verses 2, 4, and 6, uh, that, that Eli Elisha responds every time, and he says, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And Elisha was committed to Elijah. He's like, I'm not leaving. I don't care what the cost. I don't care how long the journey is. I don't care uh, the difficulty of, of the journey. It does not matter to me. I'm going to be loyal and I'm going to be faithful and I'm, I'm committed to staying with you. And we find that Elisha was committed and following and we see his persistency every single time. Elijah's like, why don't you just wait here and I'm going to go to Bethel? Why don't you wait here and I'm going to go to Jericho? Why don't you wait here and I'm going to go to Jordan? And every single time, uh, Elisha says, oh no, I'm going with you. I'm going to stick with you. Uh, and, and I want to be with you uh, when, he, when you leave. And, uh, and we find in verse number 9 that promise that Elijah, Elijah finally says to Elisha, he says there in verse 9, and it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, 
ask what I will, shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And uh, listen, what a, what a great request from Elisha. Uh, he didn't ask. We, we note this in the life of Solomon, too. When God comes to Solomon and says, hey, what do you want? What can I give you? And Solomon did not request fame, and he did not request uh, fortune, and he did not request all these earthly things. He requested wisdom, and we see that uh, here, Elisha requests a very spiritual request. He says, listen, Elijah, you have been a great prophet of God. God has used you phenomenally, and I want a double portion of your spirit. I want God to use my life. Man, that's a very spiritual request that Elisha is making of Elijah. He wanted a double blessing. He wanted a double portion. And listen, boy, how we need to seek after godly things. I'm challenged as I read that because the Bible says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And how often we're seeking after things that are not wrong. It's not sinful to have, uh, have treasures. It's not sinful to have a nice house or a nice car. Those are not sinful things by any stretch of the imagination. But so often our focus is towards those things and not towards God as it ought to be. And we're commanded, hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We find a great example of that in Elisha, that he was seeking after God. He desired a double portion of Elijah's spirit upon him, uh, that God would use his life in a mighty way. What a great request that we see Elisha making. We can see the uh, area, we can see the authority, we can see his associate. Uh, notice his attitude, uh, Elijah's attitude, as he's traveling down this, this road. It's at the end of his road. He knows his ministry is coming to an end. God has already told him, hey, I want you to appoint Elisha as your successor. And we see that Elijah has a great attitude uh, coming towards the end of his road. He's calm. He's following the Lord. Hey, Lord wants me to go here. I'm going to go here. Lord wants me to do this. I'm going to do this. And he's just doing what God wants him to do. Listen, may we be encouraged to be faithful uh, to the end and serve the Lord up to our final days. And, uh, and we don't have any reason Elijah was not fearful uh, of, of his last days. He was not fearful that uh, that, oh, I'm going to die and, and I'm not sure about where I'm going to go. No, he was very uh, calm on those last days. I mean, he knew it was drawing nigh to an end, and, and yet he didn't have any reason to fear death because he had been faithful to God. And he had served God, and God had been faithful to him. And so we see his attitude was that of a good attitude all the way up to the very end when he's following God and serving God. Look at the uh, this is interesting. The academies, I don't know how to say that word, academies, the students, we'll put it that way. 
uh, had to start with an A, so you had to use academies, okay? Uh, but look at their conversation. This is kind of uh, interesting as it's, it's, it's thrown into here in verse number 2. The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Verse number 3. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Their conversation, and, and they have the same conversation there in verse number 5 as they're there and kind of following them around and these are typical uh, students and, and college graduates that, that know everything. And they're like, let me tell you how it is. And this is what's going to happen. And this is what you need to do. And, and, and Elisha, uh, being, having served with Elijah for some time, uh, this is not a new thing. He's been with Elisha for quite a while now. He's there serving. And, uh, and, and he, he's like, hey, hold your peace. In other words, you hush. I know what's going on. Uh, I'm hanging out with Elijah. I've been with Elijah for some time. And, uh, and, and so we see him uh, just, just telling those students, hey, you, you just hush. And sometimes, you know, being doctrinally right doesn't give us a right to have a rude demeanor. And they were almost flaunting like, uh, hey, Elisha, we know what's going on. We know God's going to take Elijah today. And, uh, and what are you going to do? And we know it's going to happen today. We know this and we know that. And, and uh, listen, just because we're right doesn't mean we ought to be rude in our demeanor. And uh, we ought to be very careful. And I love Elisha's response. He says, he says, hold ye your peace. Hey, you just, I understand. I know that. I'm just following the Lord. And I'm just minding the Lord. And, and what a great response that we see. I want you to notice their curiosities in verse number 7 as we look at these students. It says there in verse number 7, And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they, and they too stood by Jordan. I don't know if they cut class. They were, they were students. Uh, they were sons of the prophets. They apparently were in a schooling. And, and I don't know if they cut class and said, man, we're going to go watch and find out what's going on with Elijah. You kind of see him hanging back and, and just kind of following and, and milling around. And there was 50 of them gathered there. And they're like, man, I want to see this, that Elijah uh, is going to be taken up and, and he's going to be gone today. And, and I don't know that they knew all the details, but they certainly were curious as to what was going to take place. And so they, they stood afar off and they, they kind of watched what was going on. And as Elijah and Elisha approached Jordan there and, and Elijah took his mantle and smote the waters and they went across on dry ground. I think God took them far enough out of their view they really couldn't see exactly what was going on. And, uh, and maybe they couldn't see all of those details. And, uh, and we know that, that God did take uh, Elijah up and he was gone. Look at their crazy ideas that they had. Look in verse number 16. I find this very interesting. These students, the sons of the prophets, look at what they said in verse number 16. This is after, uh, after Elijah has been taken up. 
Elisha has returned and he's crossed the river Jordan and he's going back. And, and look at what they say there in verse number 16. And they said unto him, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not send. Verse 17, he goes on and they continue to press him. But they, uh, and finally he said, well, go if you want. But, but I find it very interesting in verse number 16, these students are like, hey, listen, uh, maybe, maybe God dropped him on the way up, you know. Maybe he fell on a, out on some mountain or maybe God uh, cast him down in some valley. And, and, and I don't know all the reasoning. I tend to think just like Moses, uh, God had obscured his body and, 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 and didn't want people to know where he was located, that Elijah would be very much so for the same reasons that, hey, I know man, and I know how man would be. They would, they would take Moses' body and worship that. And Elijah would be the same way. And, uh, and so these, these students of the prophets, hey, maybe God dropped him on the way up and, and he didn't make it all the way. Let's go look for his body or maybe God moved him somewhere else and, and, uh, and he's still alive and he's still with us. And, and, uh, and they wanted to go after, chasing after. And, and uh, I find it interesting just their, their ideas that they had. And, uh, and certainly that's uh, something that's interesting as you look at that. But uh, God, I can assure you this, God didn't drop him. God knew what he was doing. And, uh, and the Bible tells us there in verse number, verse number 11, uh, at the last part, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And so God had taken him. Again, maybe they couldn't see because maybe they weren't close enough. Uh, but I find it interesting, uh, their, their perspective and their, their, how they looked at things and uh, some of their ideas that they had. Look with me at verse number 8. We see some accomplishments uh, here that Elijah had in his path on his way to be carried up. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. I said something about this mantle uh, several weeks ago, and it's interesting, when, when Elijah goes by Elisha, the Bible says that he casts his mantle on him, and he just keeps walking. And it seems like that's all that takes place when he calls Elisha. And uh, Elisha, uh, Elisha takes the mantle, and I talked about how it's a known mantle. I mean, uh, they would have saw it, uh, and Elijah, Elijah was described before Ahaziah, and they said, what kind of man was he? And uh, Elijah was known for his way of dressing, and his mantle was something that was known. On the mount, when he was uh, away from God, the Bible says he took that mantle and wrapped it around his face and, uh, and covered himself after God spoke to him in, in a still, small voice. And so this mantle was very significant in Elijah's life. And we find that when, when Elijah came to this, uh, the river Jordan, that he smote the water. And it opened up. And boy, I find two other instances that's significant. One is Moses in the Red Sea. There's a lot of similarities that are there. And God used that, that instance, why? To show the nation of Israel. It was not for Moses' sake. 
It was not to say, okay, Moses, you are, you are a man of God, and, and here's how we're going to show it. The, 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 the Red Sea is going to open up. No, it was for the nation of Israel, and greater than the nation of Israel, it was for all of Egypt. It was for all of the world to recognize there's a God in heaven that's watching out for these Israelites. That was the purpose of it. And I see the second time is when the nation of Israel has wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they are now coming to claim the land under the leadership of Joshua and the priests, they come all the way to the Jordan River and it was a muddy river and it was a difficult river to pass. And so God tells the priests, I, I love this portion of scripture, he says, I want the priests to go out into the water that their feet will get wet. And here they are carrying the Ark of the Covenant and carrying the, the holy things of God and, and they step out into the Jordan River by faith. And once they step out and their feet are wet, God takes and parts the water. And once again, the nation of Israel goes across on dry ground showing, hey, God's saying to the nation of Israel, I will take care of you. And we find here as uh, Elijah is crossing over uh, that really I think it's more of a statement to Elisha saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you. Just like I was with the nation of Israel that crossed the Red Sea, just like I was with the nation of Israel as they came into Israel, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you. We find that very significant in the life uh, of, of Elisha, even as he goes and he comes back across and, uh, and he smites that with Elijah's mantle. Elijah's mantle falls down and he, he gathers that up and he goes to that Jordan River and he smites the Jordan River and he asks this question, where is the God of Elijah? And what happens? God opens up that 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 Jordan River, and Eli Elisha is able to cross over on dry ground. It was significant to the fact that Elisha uh, was serving the Lord, and it helped him. We find the, we find the pathway uh, that he went. It was a long pathway, uh, and it was a very inter lot of interesting things that took place. I want you to notice the parting uh, of Elijah. Uh, the circumstances, look at what it says there in verse number one. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. I want you to notice that God's timing was right in all of this. God was orchestrating and God had, had set up the timing for all of this. And, and God's timing is never wrong. His timing is always right. I've always thought this, that God is never early. And God is never late. He always arrives right on time. Sometimes in my life, I wish God would show up early. I just wish, you know, you're, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, you're fretting it, and it's down to the wire, and you're biting your nails, saying, man, I don't know. You're pulling your hair out, and they're turning gray, and, uh, and you're thinking, man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And, and you know what happens? God shows up, not early, not late, but right on time every time. And God's timing is immaculate. He doesn't ever miss a beat. He's never late. Uh, and, and so we find that, uh, that, that God had worked all of this timing out and the timing was right for Elijah to be pulled up to heaven. And, uh, and we see that. And, and so we see the timing and the circumstance there. Look with me at the character of this in verse number 11. I find this interesting as we think about the parting uh, of Elijah and Elisha and how they were separated. And, uh, and it was God's timing for that. 
He said there in verse number 11, And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You ever seen the artist's rendition? And they show the, the horses and the chariot of fire and, and Elijah riding in that chariot of fire. It's not Bible at all. Matter of fact, reread that with me, that last statement. Look at what it says in verse number 11. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. He wasn't riding in that chariot. He wasn't riding. Look at what it says back there in verse number one. I just noticed when we reread it, it says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. And we find that uh, it was the whirlwind, really, that took him up. And, uh, and, and he was riding up in that whirlwind uh, that, that God brought Elijah out. Uh, of the world in that whirlwind. What an interesting thing. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the fact that, hey, we're going to be caught up someday uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And, uh, and what an impressive uh, thought as just imagine seeing Elijah going up in that whirlwind. What an impressive way to go. And it was really, it was fitting uh, for Elijah. You think about Elijah's ministry and it was a ministry of great show and great signs to the nation of Israel. And, and here's more of a, a private sign for Elisha that, hey, listen, that God is going to take care of Elijah and that he's going to carry him away. And, uh, and so it was a very interesting parting that Elijah and Elisha had. And, and he was carried away by that whirlwind. But I want you to notice not only his parting and the pathway, but look at the portrayal. Of Elijah. Look with me in verse number 12. We didn't read this. But it says, And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. We see the portrayal of Elijah. Elijah was a very fatherly figure to Elisha. Um, in that when he called him, hey, Elisha went with Elijah and he followed him around. I have to believe that Elijah then took Elisha under his wing and took care of him as a father would take care of his son. And he spent time with him and he filled that fatherly figure for Elisha. Uh, and he spent time providing uh, physically for him. He spent time providing spiritual leadership for him. And we come all the way down to it and Elisha cries out, My father, my father. Talking about Elijah being taken and, uh, and that he would see him no more. And then we, we notice the uh, really the... the the idea there with the horses and the chariot is kind of an army and kind of like the fortitude and kind of like a fortress and a, and a military presence of God ushering out uh, Elijah and giving him a, 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 what's the word when they, they accompany them and they have them there, the, the, uh, the people that would go before them and, and really uh, be with them the entire way and a kind of a protection idea there. And, uh, and so it's very interesting because the horse and the chariots, uh, they were used for war. They were used for uh, soldiers in the front line. And so uh, it's kind of like an honor for Elijah to be ushered off uh, with these in front of him, the soldier 
that was been decorated that served the Lord and, and would have a high honors of being ushered home with these horses and these chariots. And uh, what an incredible uh, figure that is given uh, in this passage. And we just see the portrayal of Elijah. that He was certainly uh, a godly man and had served the Lord uh, for his entire life. Again, not perfect, but certainly a godly person. And certainly somebody who obeyed God and followed God in his life. And what a great example to us as we look at the life of Elijah. And, uh, and so as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, so many things that we could look at, so many things that speak to our heart. The changing of Bethel from a, a godly place to an idolatrous place. Jericho having been rebuilt after it had been accursed. And how people just disobey and don't follow God's instruction. And how Elijah was faithful all the way to the end. What an interesting passage. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to follow you with our life. To be faithful to the very end. To be obedient. To be seeking after what you would have us to do with our life. And God, to know that we're in the very center of your will. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person. So many lessons, God, that can be learned. Help us to follow you as Elijah did, to seek spiritual things as Elisha did. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.